Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We continue this week in our series, Are You Connected?, as we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott. Pastor Jared will be preaching on being connected to the church. Just a brief reminder that you can connect with us in a number of different ways. You can reach us on our website, which is ccgf.org, on our app, which is available on iOS and Android devices, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, here is Pastor Jared with this week's message. Thank you for listening. My name is Jared. I'm the senior pastor. Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for our church, that we can come together, not only as a, as a body of believers, but as a family, as we, as we serve and be served here at the church, as we praise you for what you've done. We thank you for all the blessings that you have poured out on us. Lord, I pray that you be with us now as we look at your word. Father, you, you speak to us about what a church looks like. And we thank you for that. We thank you for setting the perfect model for us. And so we ask for you to speak through each and every one of us now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and you impress upon us this message, Lord, and that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Be with us in the moments ahead, and I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Well, again, as Pastor Jamie said, we are in the series called Are You Connected? And we, the reason we do this series is, you know, when you see that symbol, we all have seen this symbol, that, that sticker that you have there in front of you. Uh, this is a very familiar, very familiar image of a full bar. In fact, when we see that behind me lit up like that, only one bar, that's like a death sentence, right? That's like the worst symbol that you can see, right? We all have our phones. I know how this works. When you see that, you just get mad, I know, because you're not connected. You don't even bother. Um, I know that when we, uh, I drive home from uh, church here, there's a spot between here and my house. It's like a mile and a half that there's no bar. There's, there's no signal. I don't even try. And one of the things that we're trying to do as we go through this series is trying to get you to understand that some of us are loosely connected to the church, but we want you to be fully connected to our church. We want you to be fully connected to our church. You know, many people think that being connected is that important. Having Wi-Fi is that important. In fact, I saw a sign, somebody posted a sign of a hotel that was advertising for the evacuees in Florida. And uh, it's, it was a hotel that read, you only need three things to survive this storm. Food, shelter, and Wi-Fi. And we have all three. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of applicable. People see that that's how they live and breathe, their Wi-Fi. But we want you to be fully connected to the church. Now, I know that scares people, the idea of being connected to a church. Some people hear, oh man, they always want me to sign up, they want me to be a member, it's something else, it's about the finances. They just want me to, to commit my life to the church, be a member, and I, I'm terrified, I don't want to do it. In fact, I heard a joke about three pastors who got together for coffee one day and found that all three of their churches had a bat infestation. So I got so mad, said one pastor, I took a shotgun and fired at them. It made holes in the ceilings, but it did nothing to the bats. I tried trapping them alive, said the second pastor. Then I drove 50 miles before releasing them, but they beat me back to the church. <laughs> I haven't had any more problems, said the third pastor. What did you do, asked the other pastors amazed. He said, I simply asked them to become members and serve our church, he replied. I haven't seen them since. <laughs> People do that. We fearful of connecting to the church. You hear that when you run. You go, I don't want to be a member. And the idea of being a member isn't about joining a church so we can count how many people we have here. The idea is, is that we aren't supposed to live life alone. We aren't supposed to live life in isolation. 
And that's why the church was set up in the first place, so we can be a body, a family. And there's so many results of being part of a family. We saw that from, from some of the testimonies here. And some of you have testimonies, too, of what the importance is of connecting to a church. And there are benefits to connecting to church, and we're going to see that. But what is a healthy church in the first place? The question is, is, as we go through life and you see many churches around, they have different strategies, different methods and models of churches. And some of you are here are maybe seeing our church and seeing if it's a good fit for you. I say, that's great. That's wonderful. And every, there's different models for church growth and, and, and church strategies. But I always like to look at the scriptures because the scripture lays out a perfect model of what a church should be. And we want to encourage you to look at that and as, as we go through our church, we always run them through, are we a healthy church? Are we a healthy church? Because there's results that come to that of being a healthy church. The first thing that we see from the early uh, church, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn them in your service sheets. We see a bunch of stuff, but the first thing we see is that they were a devoted church. They were devoted. Look at verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves. They, despite the ridicule, despite what was going on, despite the fact they were being persecuted, they were devoted to the church and the community. You see, we go through the same kind of phases now in this day and age. It may look a little different, but we live in a culture that's pretty anti-church, pretty anti-God, don't we? But they devoted themselves, despite the ridicule, despite the persecution, they remained faithful. We have other things going on in our culture today, too. We have, we have other programs and things happening on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights that really say, hey, listen, there's other important things that have happened here besides being at church. In fact, when I come to church on Sunday mornings, I see uh, things happening in, in different sports fields and all kinds of other things going on on Sunday mornings. I think, man, what's happening that our culture is just being inundated with all kinds of other stuff besides church? This first church was devoted. Devoted. And they were devoted because they understood what Christ said in John 15. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We want to encourage you, are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to the vine? Are you saying, you know what, despite the schedules, despite what's going on, despite the persecution, or despite what the culture says, we're going to be committed to being part of a church. A true branch will abide, abide in the vine. In fact, one author wrote, can I be a Christian without joining the church? So somebody asked this author, can I be a Christian without joining the church? And he wrote back this answer. He said, yes, it's possible. It is possible to be a Christian without joining church. It looks like this. It looks like a student who won't go to school. Or a soldier who won't join the army. A citizen who doesn't pay taxes. A salesman with no customers. An explorer with no base camp. An author without readers. A tuba player without an orchestra. A football player without a team. A bee without a hive. You see, as we go through life as Christians, we aren't designed to live alone. The early church understood that. That's why they came together. They devoted themselves. And you know, we go from church to church, and some of us are here, and we always find problems with the church. Uh, you know, if you look at our church, you may look at Pastor Jamie or Brad and go, man, they are perfect. These, 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 these pastors are just absolutely perfect. i got to tell you, they have flaws. We all have flaws. In fact, our church has flaws. Why does the church have flaws? Because we're humans. But we're trying to be as scripture we can. We're trying to be a healthy church. And some people look for all the flaws in churches throughout their life and find something they don't like, and they just keep moving from one place to another. In fact, a man was marooned on a desert island. He had been there for five years, and he was found and rescued. As he climbed in the rescue boat, the, the, the curious rescuers noticed three grass huts. We thought you were alone. Why are there three huts? They asked. The man replied, well, the first hut is my home. The second is my church. What about the third hut? 
Oh, that's the church I used to belong to. You see, people are always going to find something wrong with the church. If they don't want to be there, they're not going to find, they're going to find something wrong with the church. We're, we are humans trying to lead our church, but we're leading it the way the Lord wants us to lead it, and we run it through Scripture. We're trying to be a healthy church. Are you devoted this morning? Are you devoted? That's why we're asking folks, if you want to become a member, love for you to join our membership class. In your service sheets, you'll see a, a sheet in there about becoming a member, saying, listen, we're going to devote to being here. We're going to devote to being here. And September 30th, we're going to have a membership class. If you want to find out more about our church, who we are, we want you to come. So no, we're not, we're not going to make you feel guilty about joining or not joining. Just find out who we are and what we do. We'd love for you to be part of that membership class. Because it's not because of us. It's because of what Scripture is saying. And what are they devoted to? Here's the key. When you look throughout this passage, you say, well, what were they devoted to? We find this as we look at the rest of part of verse 42. It was a scriptural church. Look at verse 42. It says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. You know, Pastor Jamie already alluded to it this morning. I, I'm amazed every time I see this thing, this, this Christian ed Bible study classes. I'm not trying to push you. I'm just showing you that the fact that we are trying to uh, show you different opportunities to be a scriptural church, for you to get involved in various Bible studies, various ministries throughout the week. And the reason we have so many of them front and back is because we know we have lots of things going on in life. So we want to make as many opportunities as we can. So Sunday mornings, there's stuff. Sunday nights for youth group. We have stuff on Mondays. We have stuff on Wednesdays all day, all night. Thursdays, Friday morning, Bible study classes. All kinds of stuff going on here at Christ Church. That We want to be a scriptural church. Why? Because we want to dive into the scriptures. And that's what the early church did. They dove into the scriptures. In fact, in a little bit, we, did, we also said, man, we want to we be a scriptural church. We have a lot of these Bible studies, but many people don't even know where to begin. So we're going to start a new ministry called uh, Living Grounded, where it talks about how to actually start out in your Christian faith. You're going to hear more about that, about how do I understand what the scripture is all about to know these Bible studies to get involved with. We're a scriptural church. Are you in a ministry where you're growing? You know, 2 Timothy 2 says, And the things you heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. We run every a teacher through, uh, through, uh, through, we interview them, we talk with them to make sure that they're reliable people to be able to teach God's word. Are you involved in God's word? So they were devoted to scripture. They were also devoted to being a community. A community church. Look at verse 42. It says, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Hebrews 10, a powerful verse that says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of our, our doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That's what we want to do as a church. We want to meet together. We want to encourage one another. As we grow bigger, we also want to grow smaller. You say, what does that mean? We want you to get involved in small groups, various ministries where you can grow together, where you can ask questions, where you can pray with one another. We have tons of small groups, different demographics, also for people going through different points of life. You know, we have a divorce care for those going through divorce. We have a grief share for those who have lost some people. We have a hope recovery for those who have going through drug and alcohol um, addictions. Going through that together as a body of believers. One of our biggest ministries is MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. Where women come and they spend time together because they're in that season of life. In fact, they loved it so much that as their kids grew up, they didn't want to stop meeting. So they developed MOPS next so they can continue to meet together. We want you to be in community. We're not designed to, to live life by ourselves. That's what the early church did. They were devoted to fellowship and to breaking of bread, to having communion together as a body of believers. Are you connected that way? Are you in a small group? 
Not only was it a scriptural church, a community church, but it was a praying church as well. It was a praying church. Look at verse 42 again. It says, end to prayer. End to prayer. There's so many opportunities for people to pray around here. My wife, Deb, leads a prayer for the pastor's wives on Sunday mornings, praying for us, praying for you. Know that our pastoral care team, if there's needs that you have, you call them up. And the entire staff and board knows the, the issues and stuff that you're going through. Because we get emails right away, pastoral alert emails of sicknesses or diseases or loss or death or anything going on in life. We want to pray for you. We have people on my left and my right afterwards every Sunday to pray with you because we know there's needs here. We have a prayer team ministry. We have a prayer rail ministry. We want to be a pray, praying church. Everything we do is bathed in prayer. Why? Because First Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We want to be a church that's praying all the time. And what I love is this next one. Because the fact that they were a scriptural church, because they were a praying church, because they were a community church, the result was it was an awe-inspiring church as well. Look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was filled with awe. They came in going, it's amazing. Look at all the stuff that's going on. You could see all the ministries and programs that we got going on. You could see the fact that we have so many people coming into our commons area that we're going to have to tear out the floors and, and, and redo that because, we, because they're getting worn out. That's a good thing to have happen. That's an awe-inspiring thing that we can have ministries thriving and growing and people meeting, uh, their needs being met. But here's the key. It's not awe-inspiring because the buildings or the programs or the staff that they had at the church. It was awe-inspiring because people's lives were being changed. People's lives were being changed. John 14 says, believe me when I say that I am the Father. The Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Believe in what's happening. You may say, well, I don't know if the Lord's really working. I got to tell you, the pastors and I have such a blessing to be able to talk with people whose lives are forever being changed because of what's happening here at the church. Not because of what we're doing, but because the Lord working through those ministries. A while back, I had a couple come up. They had been divorced for three years. Came to the church at different times, heard a message about the prodigal son, realized that they need to come back and ask for forgiveness. Now they're remarried. I was able to do that ceremony for them over the chapel. I, a while back, I met with somebody who said, you know what, I was, cont- I was contemplating taking my own life. And I came into Christ Church and I heard a message or the, the worship and just changed my life. I realized God had a purpose and a plan for me. So everything's changed. Those are awe-inspiring moments. That's what, that's what gets me up every day, knowing it's not the ministries, it's not the programs, it's God working through us. And my hope and prayer is that you get involved in various serving opportunities as we see that over the next few weeks to know how you can get involved and be part of this awe-inspiring things that are happening here at the church. It was awe-inspiring. Not only was it awe-inspiring, but they were dedicated to sharing as well. It was a sharing church. Look at verse 44. All the believers together had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, I love the fact when something comes up this week that really relates to the message. This week, later this week, it was in the end of the week. It's actually Friday, I believe, Thursday night maybe even. I got a call from Jason Burt. He's the director of Silver Inkling, the president. Silvering thing, as Jamie already talked about, is a sexual absence program that we support here at the church. And they go around and uh, put on these uh, performances, these events. They do about 90 events a year all over the country. 
And uh, it's, we're blessed to be able to have them on our property, these 12 college or post-college or pre-college students going around in a tour bus and a bus and talking about God's plan for purity. And Jason gave me a call. He said, uh, he said Jared, uh, we got a bit of a problem. Our first events were in Florida. And I said, say no more. I can see your problem. He said, we were supposed to have an event, I think, last night, Saturday night, and then this week. He said, it's a mess, as you can imagine. So there they are. you got 12 of these students in a bus and a truck who have been training all summer who are saying, hey, listen, we're going to go and devote our, our, our whole year of our life, and we're going to go spread this message, and then God changes the plans. How many times do we have a purpose and plan for our own life, but God says, no, i got another plan for you. And so Jason said, you know, I'm so impressed by these students because instead of coming back, they found a place where they're going to be safe. They're going to hunker down, and now they're going to be part of the relief effort. What they're going to do is, as soon as it's done, they're going to empty their truck, and they're going to go around for the next few weeks, ministering to people in shelters, in homes, doing uh, deliveries, bringing water, providing food, whatever they can do over the next few weeks. He said, I'm just amazed. He said, but the problem is, is that because of the finances that we lost from our ticketed events, we can't keep them out there because they need, now they need housing because all the people, the houses that they were going to stay with were going to get destroyed or they left. They need money for gas. They need money for food. They need all kinds of stuff. And I said, Jason, how much, how much do you think they're going to need? He said, well, I calculated over the next few weeks, they're going to need about 20000 We already have a pledge for ten. I said, we're going to do the other ten. Because this is what a church is all about. And listen, it wasn't just my decision. All the staff got together and said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be excited about it. Why? Because that's exactly what the scripture is saying we need to do. All the believers together had everything in common. They sold property, possessions given anyone in need. We saw a need. We saw a big need. We said, man, we can help this team. We can also help with the relief efforts. That's what we're going to do. And just so you know, Jason told me, he said, make sure you tell the congregation, thank you. Thank you for your faithful giving to be able to do that. So our team is going to be down there helping other people. And it goes on in 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for other brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, any material possessions, and see a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, with actions and in truth. And that's what we want to do. And it's not just one-time gifts here. We have ministries that are going on throughout the week. We have a Good Samaritan ministry, helping people in need. We have a wonderful widow's ministry. Widows coming uh, to us saying, you know, we have these needs. And so the men's ministry goes out and helps rebuild homes or fix up houses. That's why, men, you need to be at those men's breakfasts. Because this is how we can help. We can help the widows in need. We have a caring meals ministry, too. When people are sick or in a hospital, women come together. Some of you can cook. Some of you can cook well. Some of you think you can cook. That's okay. <clears throat> uh, caring meals ministry where we provide meals for people. In fact, that ministry was going well, so well. A few years ago, there was a, a couple having surgery. And uh, the, the wife was having surgery, and the guy could not cook. And so we said, okay, we're going to do caring meals for you. It was so overwhelming. He called the church and said, I love the caring meals ministry. Please stop sending food. I have no more room in my refrigerator. Because they were bringing meals for, like, feeding five to ten people. And it's like, there's only two of us here. So wonderful things that our church can come alongside and help. Are you helping? Are you a sharing church? Are you coming alongside and using your gifts to help others? So here's the key, though. 
where you say, okay, that's what the early church was. What's the result? It was an awe-inspiring church. They were a sharing church. It was also a joyful church. It was also a joyful church. Look at 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It was a joyful church. They came in excited to be there. They excited to be seeing what God's doing in their own lives. They had a joy because they knew who the Lord was. I, think, I sometimes think it's funny when we sing, we sing songs and I, we can see people's faces sometimes. It's like they're singing the songs like this, like, mm-hmm, uh, when's the song going to be over? And these real down faces in praise and worship. And I think, why wouldn't we be joyful? Why wouldn't we have a joy knowing that the Lord is the Lord of our lives. He's the author of, uh, author of all. He's the creator of all things. He's in charge of all things. We have a joy. We should have more joy than anybody else. It's funny when we actually, when you say, hey, they're a joyful Christian. You would think that being a Christian itself should be joyful by itself. But unfortunately, if you have to say there's joyful Christians, that means there's unjoyful Christians, which I'm not even sure makes sense. I hope that as we go throughout our communities, that people see a joy on our faces. Not because of what it's happening here in our church, but because of what the Lord's done for us. That's the joy. You see, everybody wants joy in life. That's every commercial, every advertisement. You want to feel happy? Buy this car, right? You want to feel good? Get this house. You want to look good and feel good? Buy these clothes. You want to have joy? Eat this food. And all those things are wonderful, but they're temporal. They're temporary joys. Because what happens when the seasons and the stuff of life comes Those joys go away, don't they? What the Lord is saying here is, I want you to have a deep-seated joy in life. I'm desiring for you to have a joy in life, knowing that I love you, I'm going to get you through this, that you have a relationship with me. That's the deep-seated joy that we're looking for. 1 Peter 1 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving The end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls, that's the joy. That's the joy that the early church has. That's the joy you should have as well. Some of us go through life going, I have no joy. I have no peace about anything. And it's not only about being connected to a church. It's about being connected to the Lord. He's the one that's going to bring you joy. Some of you came in looking for a church. I hope you walk out knowing that you found the Lord. That's the key. That's the joy we have. As we come, we're going to close in a few minutes and sing a final song of how great our Lord is. But if you have that deep-seated joy, I can tell you right now, you can get through anything in life. All the homes that may be destroyed by the flood or this hurricane, those that know and love the Lord, that joy isn't built in those homes. Can failure take your joy? No, because Jesus is greater than your sin. Can betrayal take your joy? Nope. Jesus will never leave you. Leave you. Can sickness take your joy? No. Because God has promised whether on this side of the grave or the other, he's going to heal you. Can disappointment take your joy? Nope. Because the plans, you may not work out. You know God's will is better than anything. Can a hurricane take your joy? Nope. Because God has a plan for that too. You see, the key is are you going to focus on the storm or are you going to focus beyond the storm? That's the key. If you focus on the storm, then all the joy goes away because you look at all the stuff you have. It might get destroyed as you go through life. And you look at the storms of your own life, whether it's sickness or, or uh, a relationship problem. All those joys go away 
If you look past that, you say, you know what? It doesn't matter this life. All this is temporary anyway. My joy is complete because of the Lord. He loves me. He died for me. And I can spend eternity with him. That's the joy you want to have. That's the joy. Will pain come? Pain comes. That's what scripture says. Pain comes in the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. That's the joy we have because we look beyond the problems. We look beyond the storms. We look beyond the problems of life. And we see joy because we know that the Lord loves us and he's here and he's got a plan for us. And that's what the early church saw. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. My hope is that you have the joy beyond comprehension, just like Peter said here. It's a joy that's, that's inexpressible. It's glorious joy because you know the problems of your life, no matter what they are, that you have a joy because knowing the Lord's in control and you have a relationship with Him. And there's the result because you want to see what a church, a healthy church looks like. You want to see a model of a healthy church. You want to see a growing church? That's it because that's the last point. We see it was also a growing church because of it. It says, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. My hope is that you come and connect to our church. I really do. Because you can see that we're a healthy church. But my ultimate hope beyond that is that you connect to our Lord. You come in looking for a church. You go out knowing you found the Lord. Because He loves you. He sees you sitting here right now. He knows the problems going on in your life. He knows the hurricane going on. But He also knows your problem as well. And He says, listen, I just want you to have that joy. I can give it to you. Stop looking around. Stop trying to find it in the temporal stuff. Let me... Put a deep-seated joy in your own life, knowing that I love you and I'm here to save you. That's my hope. That's my prayer. So let's pray together today. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that we can be a church that models what you've said in your scriptures, that we can be a scriptural church. We can be an awe-inspiring church, that we can be a community church, a praying church. Lord, help us to be devoted to that church. I pray for that right now for some of us. Just kind of moving around. Help us to be devoted to that church. Lord, devoted to using our gifts to serve you in various ways. And Lord, I pray for the joy. Some of us need it. You know it, Lord. It's been a long time. And you see us sitting here right now, and some of you right now, you are sitting here and you're saying, I I need that joy. I need it in a big way. Know that the Lord loves you, and he sees you sitting here. He sees your problems like he sees the problems of this world. And he says, listen... Storms are going to come, but I love you. I just want you to have a relationship with me. And if you want that, simple as praying the prayer, saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I understand I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I want to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And be the joy in my life. Oh, Father, we thank you for those that may have prayed that prayer. I pray that they feel that as they... As they are entering into your presence right now as they leave this place. I pray that we all have that joy in our faces knowing that you love us. You're in control of all things. Be with us as we live life together as a body of believers too. As we live life together as a church. We thank you for what you're doing. You are so great. We give you all the praise and glory. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen.